Hi, this is Nathan, and you're listening to a Public Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this talk. Thanks for listening. Hey, online family, happy Memorial Day weekend. And I'm just thrilled for any opportunity for just us to talk. Uh, usually, as I've said before, I'm talking to a dual audience. It's you guys and those in the room. But once again today, it's just us, and I love that. We're back in my office, and if you've been with us for a little while, maybe you feel a little bit of nostalgia for the fact that last May we were in my office pretty much all the time, and the nostalgia comes from the fact that we did it. <laughs> we did our best to get through it, And but more than nostalgia, I'm filled with a lot of gratefulness, a gratefulness that we're in here for a special occasion, but we're not stuck in here all the time. Just gratefulness for how far we've come over the past year. So thank you for being with us, and I'd love to start off with a question. So when I say summer, what comes to mind? When I say summer, what comes to mind? If you're watching with somebody, maybe you can just tell them or you can type this in the chat if you happen to be watching live. You know, the reality is for those of us who live in and around Cleveland, it's summertime. Schools are out. And my background is as an educator, so when I think summer, I think slowing down, summer break, I think football practice, but not also having to coach school or teach school because I was a football coach as well. Um, So maybe that's you. Or perhaps you're in a profession that speeds up for the summer. I don't understand that, but I know that those exist. And then I think about my dad and how summer represented a change of schedule for him as he worked at Cleveland Utilities. So what would happen for them is they would actually bump up their start time from 7.30 to 7 because it was so hot. So maybe that's you and maybe the career you're in, there's some type of schedule change that's happening in summer or perhaps you're a parent, it's just that your kids are home more than they are when they are in school. But so summer is this time where things begin to shift and, and the thing about summer is it's really easy for us to coast into it especially those of us who are in professions where things kind of relax a little bit, that we can coast into it coming out of a really busy spring. But the danger is we never stop coasting, (laughs) that we both drift into and we drift out of summer. And we're only going to get one summer of 2021, so shouldn't we be intentional about how we leverage this time, this gift that we've been given? So today, I want to invite us to engage in an experiment. And in fact, the title of today's talk is A Summer Culture Experiment. A Summer Culture Experiment. Now, before we get to the experiment, you may be wondering, okay, what exactly is culture? Culture, quite simply, it's defined a lot of ways, but just to get us on the same page, culture is it's a way of life. It's both habits and values that kind of undergird and encompass how we live and what we do. And so when we think about our summer culture, I want to make sure we understand that Jesus cares about our way of life, our habits, and our values. And then maybe if you don't follow Jesus, nobody's told you that. But we, as a church, we're really founded on the fact that Jesus cares about that. In fact, part of our vision is that we want to develop a public church that invites people to embrace the journey of following Jesus. And that journey is embraced in our everyday lives. So we say things like this. Following Jesus is not a Sunday activity, but it's an every moment lifestyle. I want you to know, maybe nobody's told you, but know that following Jesus impacts every area of our life as he invades every area of our hearts. So culture, and specifically how we navigate summer, our way of life, our habits, our values, 
It matters to Jesus. In fact, in Romans 12, 1 and 2, this is a huge passage for us as a church. Here's how it's written in the message. It says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, You're sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Did you catch that? It doesn't say, take what you do in this one time on Sunday where you tune in to watch. No, it says your everyday life, your ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture, to the way of life around us, that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God, here's what He does. He brings out the best of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. That's what we would love to see happen in all of our lives, whether we follow Jesus or not over this summer. So here's the summer culture experiment, that we would live Romans 12, 9 through 21 for June and July. Real simple, that we would literally just live Romans 12, 9 through 21 for June and July. That we would anchor our way of life, our habits, our values. We would anchor our culture in Romans 12, 9 through 21. And again, I'm inviting us into this whether or not we follow Jesus. That this would become an anchor point for us that we wouldn't just drift through summer unintentionally, but we would keep going. We're gonna talk about how to do this. We would keep going back to this text over and over and over again and let it influence the smallest decisions in our everyday lives. So that's the invitation for us. Now, if you have been around for a while and maybe you're part of our family, you're thinking, okay, this sounds a little bit familiar. It should, because back in the fall of 2020, we did a series called Intersections, based on Romans 12, 9 through 21. In that series, we constantly ask this question, what is the intersection between Romans 12, 9 through 21 and our everyday lives? Because we are so passionate about everyone seeing that Jesus cares about the mundane details in our lives, that Jesus wants to meet us and transform our Wednesdays, our Thursdays, our Fridays, our Saturdays. It's not just a Sunday thing. And if you're paying attention and still with me, you go. You may be thinking, uh, you just said that a few minutes ago? Yes, I'm repeating it on purpose because it's such a big deal that we grasp, that we internalize, that following Jesus is not a Sunday activity, but an every moment lifestyle. And Romans 12, 9 through 21 can be an anchor for how we live this summer. So, so why Romans 12, 9 through 21? Why are we coming back to it? Well, going into January, we had a vision day plan with our team. And I have a Great Works board. If you were to look right over there in my office, it's a Great Works board where I can write ideas down. Right now it's blank because I'm restarting uh, and I'll be filling that in this week. But I just had a little section on that where I started writing culture notes, things that I felt like we need to refine or emphasize. So in preparation for vision day, I just started looking at, okay, here's my culture notes. I was like, well, what's the theme here? Well, the theme was they were basically all coming straight from Romans 12, 9 through 21. 
So when Vision Day came, instead of saying, hey, here's five things for us to emphasize and work on, the message was simple. Hey, let's anchor ourselves in Romans 12, 9 through 21. Our team culture is this passage. And you know what's crazy? As I've seen us change and grow and be transformed in how we interact with each other, in how we interact with those outside of our team through this passage of scripture. In fact, just a couple weeks ago, we sat down in a meeting and we talked about how do we live this out more? Like how do we go further in actualizing or really living out Romans 12, 9 through 21? It's transformative for us. I mean, that's what I want for you. For every single one of you watching this, I want you to experience what it means to be changed by this passage of Scripture, what it means to see the little decisions that you may have just coasted through be impacted by God's Word, whether or not you follow Jesus. And so if you don't follow Jesus, I I do want to give you a heads up about something that will happen, is if you engage in this culture, summer culture experiment, and you try to live this out for the next two months, there's going to be a point in time where you hit a wall. You're like, I can't do this. I keep trying to live out verse 11 or verse 15 or verse 70. I keep trying to hit a wall. And here's what I would say. When you hit that wall, that's where Jesus enters your story. Because Jesus realized that none of us can, can overcome our bad habits, our bad tendencies. We would call it our sin nature. That's why Jesus came and he died on the cross. He paid the penalty for all of our sins and he rose from the dead, conquering sin. When he conquered death, he conquered sin. So know this, when you hit that wall, that's not unique to you. Every single person on the planet is going to hit that wall. If, we were tr- if, if everybody tried to live this out, everybody would hit that wall. But when Jesus followers hit that wall, do you know what we do? We pray a prayer something like this. Jesus, please give me your resurrection power in this moment. Why do we pray that? Because the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in us. And just a little side note, Jesus followers, if you don't pray that, let's start like ASAP. And if we do, let's pray more and more and more because we need his resurrection power in every moment. So for those of you who don't follow Jesus, who take the dive and do a summer culture experiment with us, I pray that really two things happen. I pray that number one, you see all the intersections And maybe not all, I'm overstating that, but you begin to see a lot of the intersections between following Jesus and your everyday life. And I pray that you see your need for Jesus's resurrection power. And if you see those two things, the invitation in any moment is just to surrender to Jesus, to follow him, to say, Jesus, you die and you rose again and I need you. So please lead my life. And if you do make any kind of decision about that while you're watching this or at some point this summer, please email katie at publicchurch.com. We want to rally around you. We want to help you find some people that can walk this journey with you. We want to talk about baptism, the next step, once you surrender to Jesus for the first time, because we're for you and we want to be in this with you. So here's our roadmap for the rest of our time. We're going to read or recite Romans 12, 9 through 21, which I'll explain. And then we just want to look at three simple intersections. So the reason I said recite is because kind of a challenge of this cultural experiment 
is that we would memorize this. There's lots of benefits to memorizing it. One of those is you get to see the connections, which we're going to be talking about today. So I'm going to give it a try. If you're memorizing this, maybe that was a challenge or that was a challenge we had in the fall. So perhaps you began to memorize it then, a little rusty. Just give it a try. This is practice for you. So Romans 12, 9 through 21. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Actually, let me back up. I missed one. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Do not repay evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I'll repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him some coffee or give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So one of the reasons that we want to try to memorize that, and hey, if you didn't get it, I messed up. You saw me, I left out something, I had to start. That's okay. But one of the reasons that we want to try to memorize this is to see the connections. And the first intersection is going to be revealed in a connection between verse 9 and verse 18. It says, let love be genuine. And then it goes on in verse 18 to say, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. In other words, it's impossible to have genuine love unless we're doing everything possible to create peace with people. Have you ever thought about this? Can you genuinely love someone without having real direct front door conversations? Now, now that's a term that we use and here's how we define front door conversations. We say, don't walk around to the back door when the front door is open that we don't kick the door down and walk in just yelling at people. No, we walk in with kindness, we walk in with humility, and we walk in with directness. And we just talk about issues. And so is it possible to genuinely love someone without having front door conversations? I don't think so. Because the reality is, if we don't have front door conversations, then in our relationships with people, we're going to be trying to tiptoe around landmines. And okay, if I don't say this, then we're going to be cool. And okay, I don't, if I don't say this, then we're going to be good. How can we be authentic with each other when we're thinking, okay, don't say this, make sure I say this this way. I know I'm going to offend her. If I, That is not a foundation for genuine love. So here is intersection number one. Talk to, not about. Talk to, not about. This is a direct quote from Jade Morgan, our Connect and Serve Director, in our direct report meetings. Um, 
one of her great works is helping us grow as a in a front grow as a front door conversation culture. And she said this one day, and I've just latched onto it that we talk to, not about. Let's face facts. Until we've talked to someone, we've not lived out Romans 12, 18. Until we talk to them, we have not done everything possible to live at peace with them. So we talk to, not about. Now, it's very important that we understand the text. Romans 12, 18. If possible, so far as it depends on you. Double qualification to say, no matter what we do, we may not be able to restore peace. But here's the thing. It gives us this mindset. We're not maintainers of peace. We're creators of peace. We're not just hoping that peace comes together, maintaining it. No, we're walking into situations, walking through the front door to create peace where there's not peace. And to do that, we have to talk to people, not about. So here's some questions, some ways this intersects with their everyday lives. Guys, do we talk to our buddies about how frustrated we we are with our wives and yet never talk to our wives? Are we talking about our wife, but not to her, about the real issues that are present in our marriage? Wives, flip that. Are you talking to your girlfriends about how your husband frustrates you and da 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 da, but you're not talking to him? Maybe it's your boss. Are you talking about your boss and everybody knows that your boss has this flaw and that, man, it's, it's driving everybody crazy and everybody's kind of talking about, but as a Jesus follower, if possible, so far as it depends on you, means we talk to, not about. Maybe you have teenage kids and they're driving you crazy crazy. And you're telling everybody that will listen how crazy they are and how frustrated you are. Have you just sat down with your 17-year-old and had a front door conversation? Have we done everything that we can do to create peace, not to maintain peace? I think this is huge. This is an intersection that could transform our summer if we will talk to rather than talking about. The second intersection is also present in a connection we see. Romans 12.10 and Romans 12.17. And Romans 12.10, the end of it says, outdo one another in showing honor. Romans 12.17, the end of it says, give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. So the second intersection is not this fancy saying, it's really simple, it's just honor people. That we honor people. And to define honor, it goes really back to our vision for the year, which is to become love displayed for the world. That's our phrase for us for the year. And so to be for people means that we leverage our influence to benefit others. Honor is very similar. We leverage our influence to celebrate others. We leverage our influence to sometimes it's respect others. But it's very clear in here. And in fact, the first part of verse 10, it says, love one another with brotherly affection. Okay, how do we do that? We outdo one another in showing honor. And I love how the message paraphrase says it. It says, practice playing second fiddle. That we celebrate others, sometimes even at our own expense. Mike Todd at Transformation Church, he has a way of saying this, and he says it, way better than I am. He's got a background as a drummer and as a music producer, so he's got rhythm that I, I, it's hard for me to clap on beat. But he says this way cooler than I say it, and so you can just look him up. But he, he says, here's, here's what we do at Transformation Church. He says, we honor up, we honor down, 
we honor all the way around. It's kind of catchy. I like it. And even though I'm terrible at doing that, if that was painfully awkward, I'm just trying to be real. Um, but I loved it. We honor up. We honor down. We honor all the way around. Th that's it. That's what it means to honor people, that we practice playing second fiddle. So, so here's the question for our summer. Who in our sphere of influence needs to be honored? Who in our sphere of influence needs to be honored? I've thought about in our church that we need to do a better job. And so I want to take this moment to honor our community group leaders. Community groups meet in homes or let's be honest, over the past year, they've been real creative about how they meet. They meet on Zoom. They meet outside. They meet at Lee University in fields. They meet here in fields at our campus. I mean, they just kind of meet everywhere so that we can discuss the word, build authentic relationships and embrace the journey of following Jesus together. Our community group leaders, they are part of the backbone of our church. Like, like we should be a family and we can't be a family without community groups. And we can't have community groups without community group leaders. I think about um, also our public students leaders. Your students are, are huge. And a couple weeks ago, we honored our Sprouts and Roots um, volunteers, and they're just phenomenal. But to take a moment here to also say, and the people that show up every Wednesday night at Okoye Middle School, that are going to be engaging with students over the summer, and which, when it's even harder, but they're still going to make that effort. Our public students leaders, they're phenomenal. And if you are the parent of a teenager, you know how much this means to you because you understand, because I was this way, my, my leader in, in student ministry could sometimes say things that my dad would say, but I wouldn't listen to my dad. I would listen to the leader. I mean, I don't know why. That's how we are when we're students, but that's how we are. And so parents, you know how valuable it is to have people that love Jesus, people that your kid respects speaking in to your middle school and high school students' life. When I think about honoring people, I also think about people that we've had the privilege of sending out, people that aren't here anymore. I think about Brie Green. We had the honor of sending Brie out. She was one of the founders of public students and, and really helped build a lot of the structure that we're, we're still building on today. And then she went to North Point to engage in their residency program. She now has her master's from Dallas Theological Seminary, and she's coming back to be our Okoy Outreach Camp speaker. Isn't that awesome? That's incredible. We honor Brie, the work she's done, and then she's coming back to invest in our students. Isn't that incredible? So we honor her, who she is, and how she's continuing to be a part of our public church family. So who is it in your sphere of influence that needs to be honored? And then finally, the last intersection is found in Romans 12, 14 through 15. And I'm just picking three just to give us examples um, of what this looks like. It says, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. That we would, throughout the summer, they would sit with people in their pain, that we would stand with people in their joy. But we've got to keep reading because this goes together because next it says in verse 16, and this is actually verses 15 and 16. In verse 16, it says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty but associate with the lowly, never be wise in your own sight. So, so verse 15, we sit in people's pain, we stand with them in their joy, that's empathy. You know what fuels empathy? Empathy is fueled by humility. See the connection? Empathy is fueled by humility. So the third intersection in our everyday lives is that we cultivate humility. It's the only way we're gonna live in harmony or unity with one another. I mean. 
Paul, who's the author here and who started so many churches and really wrote a whole lot of the New Testament, he's telling us, come on, guys, do not be haughty. I think C.S. Lewis describes humility really well. He says, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. And when I thought about that definition, it reminds me that arrogance and pride manifests itself in the typical ways of I'm better than you, but it also manifests itself through insecurity. Because insecurity means I'm consumed with me and how people see me, and therefore I can't step into honoring people (laughs) because I'm thinking about me. That's pride. And let's connect these three intersections. Arrogance causes us to talk to, or excuse me, arrogance causes us to talk about, not talk to. Arrogance says, man, can you believe she's doing this? Can you, let's talk about, but we're so prideful or maybe so, um, or maybe that's expressing itself as insecurity. We're thinking about ourselves so much that we can't actually walk in and be vulnerable and have the conversation with the person and talk to. And then honor, how in the world are we going to honor people out of arrogance? Pride really prevents honor. Do you see the connections? So if we're going to live Romans 12, 9 through 21, We've got to cultivate humility. And I absolutely love the phrase. It's been transformative in my life at the end of verse 16 that says, never be wise in your own sight. It's actually plural. It means never be wise in our own sight. So here's the warning. Anytime we find ourselves as a part of a squad, a crew, a family, a group, we got to be careful that we don't look with arrogance towards those outside of our group. Jesus followers, our arrogance is an obstacle to people following Jesus. I heard it said this way at FCA camp when I was in high school and it just stuck with me. He said, how foolish would it be to criticize a blind man for tripping over a curb? Can you imagine even doing that? This blind guy trips over a curb, like, what are you doing? Didn't you see it? No, they're blind. They didn't see it. In the same way, if we're criticizing people who don't follow Jesus for not living up to the standards of Jesus, that's the same way as critiquing a blind man who tripped over a curb. They don't have the same standard that we do. So why in our pride are we criticizing them? Why don't we instead in humility invite them to follow Jesus and show them the love of Jesus? We gotta cultivate humility and we gotta cultivate humility with other Jesus followers as we interact with them. It can't be, man, our church, public church, we got it figured out. Y'all come learn from us. No, we have to recognize this. I listen and learn. Excuse me. We listen and learn while recognizing our strengths and weaknesses that we want to listen and learn from how other Jesus followers, other churches do things because we have some strengths that God's given us and we have some weaknesses that through the power of the Holy Spirit, we need to continue to address. Something that helps me is the saying. We choose curiosity over critique. The past couple months, I've had the privilege of sitting down with two different local pastors who are in traditions that are just different than ours. And I have learned so much from our differences. And the reality is, thankfully, the Holy Spirit's gotten me a place where I don't feel threatened by the fact that they do it differently. No, in fact, as I can choose curiosity over critique and ask questions and, and learn more and get to their why, it either shows us blind spots, oh, we need to reevaluate that, or it reclarifies our why. I'm better because of our differences. And you know what I'm doing in that moment? I'm actually honoring them. 
So that's what we want to do, is we want to honor people as we cultivate humility. And I share that example not to say, like, look at me, I've gotten this wrong so often, but to say when we will anchor our lives in Romans 12, 9 through 21, we will be changed by the power of the Word of God as the Spirit of God speaks to us and reveals these intersections. So again, our summer culture experiment that we live in Romans 12, 9 through 21. So, so here's the practical step that without this practical step, we're not going to be able to live this. We're not going to live it unless we immerse ourselves in it. So I'm going to challenge every single one of us as soon as this gathering is over that you would pick a time and put it on your calendar, write it down somewhere and say, this is the moment that every single week I'm going to read and hopefully eventually recite Romans 12, 9 through 21. Like this is my moment. For me, it's Tuesday morning. Why? Because that's the first day of my work week. So I want to step in to my work week with this mindset, with this as the anchor for my way of life, for my habits, for my inter interactions with other people. So maybe you're a coach and it's getting to the gym a little bit early in the summer and just in the gym out loud, reading or reciting Romans 12, 9 through 21. Maybe it's before you wake up your kids in the morning that you just say this over your home. Maybe it's on your way to work. You say this. Maybe it's before you walk into that board meeting. And the reality is I have to keep saying it. There's certain meetings I'm walking into. I got to re-say this and remind myself of it to stay anchored in it. But, but pick that one time that every single week like clockwork, you're going to read and eventually recite this. And my prayer for all of us is that we'll get to August 1st and go, no, we got to keep going. This may have been a summer culture experiment, but this needs to be the anchor for my culture going forward, period, point blank. I'm never going back. So I pray that that happens for us. So Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for this incredible passage of scripture. And I even pray, Jesus, that as we read this, as we recite this, as we get into this, that then we'd be pointed back to how you lived. And it would lead us further into your word, into the eyewitness accounts of your life, because you are our example. And we literally cannot do this without you. I pray that we would see our need for your resurrection power to live this out. Change us, change our families, change our businesses, change our spheres of influence as we anchor our lives in the truth of your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us today. We'd love to connect with you on any of our social media accounts at A Public Church or through our app or website, publicchurch.com. To give toward the vision of Public Church, you can do so through our app or website via PushPay or by texting Public Church, all caps with no spaces, to 77977. Again, thanks for listening.